Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together this morning? And we are reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, that means to die literally, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And I love this. What does it say? Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Father, thank you. You are our coming king. You are king right now, but you are coming also as our king, and you will be our king for eternity. And Lord, as we come around your word this morning, you have something to say to each and every heart. There is no coincidence that we are here today. You are pursuing us to have a relationship with us. Your word says that my father is always about his work. And God, you are the one who is about your work. You've been about your work all week in our lives. Today we ask, Father, that you would take your word, that through the Holy Spirit, you would take your will through the word and you would cause it to intersect in our lives and that you would teach us very clearly. Father, I pray that the word would be so easy to understand that we couldn't miss it. But not that we just understand it, but that, Lord, we put it into practice. May all the glory and all the praise be given to you in advance, for you are worthy of it, you and you alone. And I pray this and ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're finishing up a portion of a series we've been calling, uh, Who Do You Say That I Am? And we're part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. We're well over 120 years old. And this is our, our symbol of our denomination. And we've been walking through this over the past several weeks. And we first of all looked at Christ our Savior. We talked about what really happened at the cross. What did Christ do for us at the cross? We saw some amazing things that happened as a result of Christ dying for us on the cross. The next week was Christ our sanctifier, Christ the one who makes us holy. He calls us, God calls us to be holy, but we cannot do that on our own. It's Christ in us. The third thing that we saw was Christ our healer. We talked about this last week, that he is our healer. God says in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, I am the Lord that heals you. He invites us as his children. If you have known Christ as your personal Savior, he invites you to ask of him, to trust him for healing, for physical healing. Today we come to the end and we look at Christ, our coming King. Christ is coming back. Now imagine this. Imagine seeing this come up on your phone. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. This actually happened July uh, or January 18th of last year. Can you imagine seeing this as well on the interstates? They had this all put up there. People for 38 minutes ran around like a chicken with their head chopped off, wondering, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Where do you go in Hawaii for, for safety when you're hearing this? It was a whole, it was a, it was a false, it was, it was a false alarm. What had happened was somebody who was coming on duty, there was a drop down box and he pushed the wrong button on the drop down box and this is the message that came out. 
And for 38 minutes, the people wondered, well, what's, what's going to happen? In 38 minutes, they finally announced it. Oh, it, it, it really isn't true. When Christ said that he's coming back, that's not a false alarm. He is coming again. One of the things that we say about the return of Christ is that the return of Christ is imminent. What does imminent mean? Well, let me give you a, a really easy way to understand it, especially you ladies would understand this. My oldest son and his wife got married in 2010. They've been unable to have children. At Christmas time, they called us and they were talking about um, when my, one of my youngest sons was going to be there to visit. And they were saying, yeah, it's going to be kind of hard because Cassie's going to be eight months pregnant at the time. It's like, whoa, 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 back up the truck here. What did you say? And he said, yeah, he said, we're expecting. But he said, we want you guys to keep it quiet. He said, they've had a couple of miscarriages. But then a few weeks ago, my daughter-in-law, Cassie, works at the hospital, and she brought, you know, the, what do you call it, the, the, the sonogram machine, and, and she had us hear the baby's heartbeat. And then they had a, a gender reveal this week, and so we're going to be having a grandson, and so we'll go back in, in September to see our, our next, our fourth grandchild. But Cassie's pregnancy, it is imminent. That's what it means. It's going to happen. Do we know when? Can we say the exact date of when she's going to have her baby? No, we don't. All we can say is that it's imminent. It is going to happen. The return of Christ is imminent. Jesus said these words. He said in John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, He said, In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you where I am. Where take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Those words, where were they said? You've heard me tell this story before, but some of you are new. These, that phrase right there, verse 3, was the phrase that when a bride and a bridegroom came together to be betrothed, the, bridegroom, the bride and her family were on one side, and the groom and his family were on the other side, and they were dickering over the dowry price. Finally, when it was decided what the dowry would be, the groom would take up a cup of wine and he would take a drink from the cup of wine and he would hand it across to his prospective bride. If she took the cup and if she drank from the cup, she was saying, yes, I will marry you. After which the groom would say, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. We serve a God who keeps his word. I've been working on my Easter messages, on the Easter message, and that's part of that. We serve a God who keeps his word. When Jesus said, I'm coming back, that isn't a false alarm. Look at what he says in Revelation. And remember, as we've talked about, whenever anything is repeated again and again, especially in close proximity in a chapter, it's there for emphasis. And here's one of those times. Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the, of the prophecy in this book. Verse 12 says this. Behold, I'm coming soon. Verse 20 says this. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. When Jesus says something, you can absolutely count on it's going to happen. This isn't a false alarm. We serve a God who keeps his word. For we who know Christ, this is our blessed hope. Look at what Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, or 11 to 13 says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Love that. 
Verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. For Christians, the return of Christ is imminent, but it is also our blessed hope. No matter what this world may throw at you, if you know Christ is your personal Savior, you know where it is that you're going to spend an eternity. When I do a funeral and the casket is in front of me, I tell the families, especially if that person is a believer, I tell the families, this isn't the end. This isn't good goodbye. This is till I see you again. That is the blessed hope that we have in Christ, that those who have gone on ahead of us, that we will see them again. We will be with Christ because he's made that promise to us. The return of Christ is imminent. It is our blessed hope as well. The, the next thing that we see, with it, it will be visible. The return of Christ will be visible. He'll be seen by all. Uh, you know, when I get on the MTR, especially on Saturday mornings or on Sunday mornings, um, uh, Saturdays I come and sometimes I preach to the Saturday group of, of Filipinas that are here. But if I get on the, on the MTR on Saturday morning and on Sunday morning, normally uh, I, when I get to Shatin, where I, or I get off the minibus and get onto the train, there's usually two young Filipino ladies dressed very nice and smiling and, and talking about all, all kinds, you know, inviting me to look at their literature. I get off at Hung Hom and I, I get ready to walk over here to the church. And normally on the Sky Bridge, there's two more of the nice young ladies, nice Filipino ladies, and they've got a whole rack of, of things there. Well, who am I talking about? Jehovah's Witnesses. And for you Filipinas that are here, this is a really important... Go to, number, go to slide number three, please, where it says that um, the return of Christ will be visible. The return of Christ will be visible. Why is this important? Because the Jehovah's Witnesses say that Christ returned in 1914, but his return was invisible. How does that square with Scripture? How does it square with what the Scriptures say? Let's look at what the Scriptures say. Matthew chapter 24 Verse 30 and 31, at that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And what does it say? And all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on, <clears throat> coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather the elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. When he returns, it will be visible. Look at what Second or First Thessalonians says as well. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we will believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. When Jesus returns, it will be visible. The return of Christ is imminent. The return of Christ is our blessed hope. The return of Christ will be visible. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, or verse, yeah, verse 7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Why will people mourn? They won't mourn out of remorse. They will mourn because they will realize it is too late. And Jesus' coming, it will be visible. And my question for us who sit here, this is our blessed hope. My question for us who sit here is, what are we doing with this blessed hope? 
what are we doing? We say, well, I, well, I, I, I can't do much. I work six days a week. I work seven days a week. I, 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 can't, I can't do much. Let me tell you a story about someone who did just a little thing. During World War II in the United States, the B-17 bomber was the workhorse for, of the United States. There were a number of them that were shot down over, over Germany. Uh, they, just, they held a lot of bombs. They held a lot of fuel. But they were, they were really a flying death trap for a lot of people. They had five or six different places where, where you could have guns in them. But the, 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 the smaller and the much more nimble um, fighter planes, that he shot down many of them. One, one of these B-17s was going over Germany, over the city of Kassel. And it, it encountered a lot of uh, fighters that came after it. And they had a 20-millimeter shell that went right through, right through their, right into their gas tank. And they thought, we're done. The plane's going to blow up. And the plane just kept chug along, chug along. And finally, finally, they were able to land in England. And when they got down on the ground, the pilot, the next day, he said to the, to the person who was looking at that gas tank, he said, could I have that 20-millimeter shell as a, as a souvenir? Because he said, we should have died up there. And the guy who, who, who he was talking to, he said, oh, it wasn't just one shell that went into the gas tank. He said, there were 11. And he said, well, can I have just one of them? He said, I just want one. And he said, no, the uh, intelligence people came, and they, and they took them away. And it was several weeks before they figured out why the intelligence people had taken them away. The intelligence people took them, and they opened them up, because there were 11 of them. And they opened them up, and you know what they found when they opened them up? Nothing, except for one. Here in one of those 20-millimeter shells was a little piece of paper. It was, it was coiled up inside of that shell, and on it was scrawled a language that they didn't know what it was. Finally, they found somebody. They, they kept taking it, showing it to people. It was written in Czechoslovakian. It was a Czechoslovakian prisoner for the Germans who had, who had um, they were making these shells, who had, left the, who had left the charge out of the shell. But in its place, he put a little piece of paper, and he scrawled on it these words. This was all I could do for now. And I think about that little thing, that little act that he did there. Never underestimate those little things that you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about, as I think as I want to talk to our Filipinas just for a minute, I think about as I get on the, on the minibus on, on Saturday and on Sunday, I'm the only white face on that, on that minibus. All the rest of them are Filipinas or Indonesian gals, and they're all dressed to the nines. They're ready to go out for the day and spend their, vac- their, their day off. And I think about how many of them are here and how many of them don't know Christ. I think about for us as Chinese and other people who live here in Hong Kong, I watch them as my window, as people walk by my window every single day. And as I get on the MTR and walk around, I don't understand the language, but there's many of you in this room that do. And I think about how many, how many people will have to go into a Christless eternity. And I think about what it is that Christ has done for us. And sometimes you say, well, I don't have much. With what you have, are you putting it in God's hands? Because there are people who are dying who will go into a crisis eternity. They need that hope, that same hope that we have. As I'm thinking about in this next year in May, the under-shepherds and myself and Pastor Stan will be meeting to talk about vision and direction for the, as we look at this next year. And that's one of those areas that I'm thinking about. Why has God put us here in one pole? 
Why is God strategically placed us here at this time? How would God have us as AIC to reach out into this community and to reach out into this area, to reach out into our mission field that's right here? Because I do not believe for one second that God has just called us to be a church that we come here on Sunday morning and then we leave and we go out about our own duty the rest of the week. God has called us in the same way that he called the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all peoples. There are people that God has brought into Hong Kong from places where, they, where the gospel is not something that they have freely. And they brought him here for a time, and we can share with them what it is that God has done. The return of Christ is imminent. It's our blessed hope. It's visible. And the last thing we see is that it will be personal as well. It'll be, it'll, he'll, he'll come in the same way that he left. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. It says, Men of Galilee... He said, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. He's coming back in the same way that that he left. And when he comes back, when he comes back, it'll be too late for some. But when he comes back, will he also call us to account? He will. He will. What are we doing with what it is that God has blessed us with? Everything you have. There isn't a thing that you have that is not on loan from God. Your talents, your gifts, whatever it may be that you have, there is coming a time when we will be called to give an accounting of what it is that we're doing with the gifts that God has given us. The gifting that God has given me is in preaching, teaching, shepherding, and I'm called to use those gifts for His glory and for His honor. What about the rest of us? Do you know what gifting it is that you have? And are you using that for his kingdom? Because I know there's one gift that God hasn't given. And that's the gift of sitting in a chair on Sunday morning. I know that he has not given us that gift. And I think about what it is that all of us, if we began to work together, what it is that God could do for this, in this city. The return of Christ will be visible. It will come back in the same way that he returned. And when he comes back, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. There is coming a day that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when every single knee will bow. We will bow as his children. If you know Christ is your personal Savior, we will bow out of reverence that there will be some who will bow because they will have to. They'll have to declare that he is Lord. And when he returns... When he returns, are we ready? Are we ready? You know, I look around in this room and I see so many of you that I, that I don't know yet. It grieves my heart because I love to know names and I love to be able to call you by name. But I think about, I think about that fact. Are we ready? Are we ready to meet Jesus? I don't know your hearts. I don't know where you stand with the Lord. And this morning, if Christ were to return, and when could he return? Okay, let me say it a little louder. When could he return? Anytime. And the question is, are you ready for his return? When he returns, what will he find us to be about? I stand on the MTR and I, I, I look around at people. What do I see people doing? Everybody, right here. They're looking, at the, they're looking at their phone. When he returns, what will he find us about? What will he find us doing? Is it something that will bring him glory? Or is it something that we would be ashamed of? We need to be ready for his return. I'll tell you one last story. There's a guy by the name of James Gordon Bennett. 
He was the he was the publisher and the owner of the New York Herald magazine or New York Herald newspaper. Became very very successful and very very wealthy. He had two lavish apartments in Paris. Plus, he had a country home in the in France. On top of that, he had a yacht that was moored in in Europe. And <clears throat> and <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> And he had three homes, three homes in the United States, lavish, lavish homes, even though it had been over 10 years that he had been, since he had been in the United States. But at every single one of the homes that he had in the United States and around the world, they were, st- they were staffed with a full staff of servants because they didn't know to which home he was going to come that night. So the ones in the States especially, they said, the, the wine cellar was full. He said every night they had a roaring fire in the fireplace. Every night the servants went up into the, into the bedroom, turned down the sheets, poured water for him so that if he needed to wash his face, because they didn't know was he going to return to that house tonight, but they had to be ready. And I think about us. We know he's coming back because we serve a God who keeps his word. We don't know when he's coming back. But we know that when he comes back, every eye will see him. And when he comes back, he will serve as king. He already is king, but he will be king forever. And my question for us, there's two questions. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, what are you doing? What are you doing with that blessed hope? Are you sharing it with those? You guys have the advantage of language. I sit and listen to the people, and I, 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 I can know a few words, and hi and uh, uh, <laughs> I hear that one a lot. hi uh, I hear that one too. Um, but I don't, I don't have the language. You guys do. I hear very few people speaking English. I hear Tagalog. I hear other Filipino dialects. I hear Indonesian. There's all kinds of stuff. What are we doing with the hope that God has given to us and with the time that God has given to us? Because I really don't think we do have a lot of time looking at what's going on in our world today. Are we making ready for the return of Christ? That verse in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Our founder, A.B. Simpson, he believed so strongly that we could hasten the return of Christ by taking, by taking the gospel out into the world <clears throat> that he made it his point to come to two countries, two countries that are represented here, two of the first countries that he came to, actually three, and I don't know if they're not even represented here. One of the first countries that the Christian missionaries went to was to Africa. The first seven missionaries that we had died in Africa. The next country that they sent missionaries to was China. And the other country that they sent missionaries to very early on was the Philippines. And I look around and I see you guys here. And we're a lot, of, a lot of us here are the result of missionaries, of people who came and shared Christ. Is he coming again? Count on it. And when he comes again, what will he find us doing? Take the blessed hope that you have. Take it and share it with those who need it so desperately. Because God said he's not willing that any should perish. But his patience will last only so long. Let's take the gospel. He's coming again. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And thank you that you are a God who keeps your word. 
And Lord, I think about even now as uh, this message comes to a close. And Lord, I don't know the condition of hearts in this room. You are the God who sees our hearts. And if you came here this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you came here this morning and you would honestly say in your heart, Pastor, I don't know where it is that I'm going to spend eternity, but I would like to. I want to ask you to do just a simple thing. If you would like to pray to receive Jesus Christ, I would like for you to, when we stand up, when we go to prayer, or when we sing our last song, I'd like you to just come up here to the front, and I want to have a word of prayer with you. Say, what do I have to do to receive Christ? There's three very simple things. The first is you have to admit that you're a sinner. said, Christ died for sins once for all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The second thing we need to do is we need to admit that we need a Savior. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And the third thing we need to do is we need to receive that gift. If you have never taken that step this morning, I'm going to ask you when we go to worship, if you would just simply come up here, I want to have a word of prayer with you, and I want to pray with you to receive Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you as well that you are coming back. We don't know when. But God, in my heart, I sense that it's not going to be long. I could be totally off base. But God, I pray that when you return, you will find us as a church, as your people, about your work. God, you so love every person that walks by this church. Tens of thousands of people walk by this church every single day. People come into our lives. We see them. We see them on the MTR. We see them in the streets. Thousands upon thousands of people. And God, how many of them will go into a crisis eternity? God, please, as we sang this morning, break our hearts for what breaks your heart. God, you have given us the blessed hope. You've given us the answer. You've given us your message. And I pray that, God, we will not keep it bottled up within us, but that, God, we will share this truth with those who are around us. Lord God, please, in Jesus' name, we pray for the souls that you'll bring into the kingdom many souls and that, God, you will go with us in this week and that, Lord, you will remind us again and again of what it is that you've done in our lives, of what it is that you've given and how it is we can take what it is that you've given us and use it for your glory. We love you and praise you and thank you for this in Jesus' holy name.